0: All right, it's the Distracted Driving Podcast, episode 51. I am the guest, Sean Genovese. This episode is uh, hosted by my friend Corey Rasmussen, who, um, it wasn't exactly a hostile takeover, uh, but he, he took over. He took over the podcast, and I allowed it because uh, it was a lot of fun. I think we had a good conversation uh, you get to you get to hear a little bit more from me than normal. You get um, to learn maybe a little bit more about me and my journey and how I ended up doing what I'm doing today, whatever it is that may be. Uh, this episode is called "I don't work for money." I don't work for money, but boy, it sure helps. If this if there was a tagline like a secondary title, that's what it would be. Uh, I hope you enjoy this. Uh, I hope you've been enjoying my conversation with Corey. This is the last part of it, uh, part three. And so um, go, you know, reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Um, Jump over to the website, distracteddrivingpodcast.com. Find us on LinkedIn, uh, social media, your favorite podcasting platform. Um, Send a carrier pigeon to my house. I mean, I don't care. Enjoy the episode. Thanks for listening. Now Sean I thought
1: I was on here to interview you. that's the weird thing
0: is that is that what we decided uh,
1: I, I don't remember but then we ended up making it like an hour about me or something
0: All right.
1: do we need to start the show again uh no I don't think so I think we'll just continue okay. here uh, but oh, you know, all right sure what do you want to know you recently shared something awesome with me that you did and you're you're an industrial engineer so you like charts and graphs and making processes better and faster usually within yes. like a production line lean setting or something like that if you don't know what lean is it's uh, basically one part flow through a shop and like you just have what you need in the, the right time there's a whole bunch of aspects of it but sean's an expert in that and sean took that outside of the walls of engineering and helped his, uh, his uncle, right? Is your uncle? has a, a uh, driving school.:
0: brother-in-law brother-in-law.
1: I'm so sorry. Uh, mm-hmm. but his brother-in-law has a driving school in Southern California. You want to mention the name here?
0: They're not paying me to,
1: so I: so I No, okay, we won't do that. Uh, but a nameless driving school in Southern California uh, was run basically by phones. People calling in, scheduling times to meet with somebody, Uh, changes, rescheduling, managing the funds. It was a nightmare. So tell us a little bit more about the situation, Sean, and how it has changed.
0: Well, Corey, thank you. It's an honor to be here. I really appreciate you having me on. Um, I'll be expecting you. Uh, so let me let me just uh, make a minor clarification. Um, I, I would argue that I, I did not uh, break free of the walls of engineering. Uh, industrial engineering, as you said, is is the um, it's really it's a branch of engineering that deals with studying how people work and looking for ways to make it better. And so I've applied that. It, it typically gets applied in an industrial setting where you know, you've know you got an assembly line, physical products, things like that. Um, I've always been attracted, though, to what I refer to as the white-collar factory, which simply means the things that are being produced, the widgets, are not physical. It's information. How does information flow through a system? Um, how many times does the information have to get touched? How many people... Does it have to go through? It's like playing a game of telephone. Right. Well, don't sell yourself um, short
1: just because it's it's you know, you see it as different. A lot of people, you know, if you're the, the the solopreneur plumber or the electrician, they're not gonna come and say, Oh, I need an industrial engineer to show me how to do my business better. And that's right. where you know I think there's a market that's that's right for the taking.
0: Uh, well, that you cater so... to in this, this case. So I mean it's a big win. Chalk it up as a win for you, so I do chalk it up as a win, and so that's it. It is a great, it's a great case study, uh, an example. Uh, Corey is now uh, tracing with his his chalk, his imaginary chalk finger, a W onto the screen. W. Um, It it is called Five O Driving School. I will mention the name. it, it was being, uh, it, like many businesses, it started off uh, with one person as just a kind of a means of uh, making some extra money. One person, one car, doing some lessons. It started to grow. And so uh, when it was one person, one car doing some lessons, it, it, putting them into Google Calendar and keeping track of things was per- perfectly fine. Uh, but then as it grew to two, three, Six, seven cars in two different geographic areas with nine or ten different instructors all of a sudden um, managing the business out of Google Calendar with a, uh, a you know a landline telephone coming into a back office in the in the house it got to be a bit unwieldy. so how much
1: time would you say they're spending on actually driving teaching people to drive versus
0: managing it well i I will say um So you had one person, uh, well, you had three people uh, that were spending anywhere between, I would say, 20 and 40 hours a week each um, managing the business while also doing other jobs. So again, this started off as just an opportunity for, you know, uh, it, it was actually for somebody who was retired to have, something to do extra income. Then it spun into, Hey, now we're going to kind of t- kick it up a notch, but you still had now the, the person, my brother-in-law, he's, he's a full-time uh, police officer. Right. So he's already working 50 to 60 hours a week and then having to put in another 30 to 40 hours a week, um, trying to, to run the business. And so, um, for the longest time I was working in that corporate America setting uh, that we've already discussed. And I wasn't really paying attention. It's a driving school. It's a boring business, right? You just you're teaching kids how to drive who cares. Um, I have now come along to the uh, the appreciation and realization that boring businesses are awesome um, because they and and here's my definition of a boring business, something that provides a, a product or service that people need uh, and everybody, almost everybody needs to know how to drive and almost everybody learns to drive when they are 16 to 18 years old. Um, it's a, a business that is not overly complex. Um, and so as a result tends to not have a lot of technology embedded into it. As is the case here, they're running it basically with a calendar application and a telephone and a credit card machine. But when you can introduce some, um, some process improvements and inject some technology to complement those improvements, you can make tremendous gains in mm-hmm. efficiency. And to, to the point where now, uh, my brother-in-law just said to me the other day, um, he's not sure what to do. <laughs> <laughs> I've
1: got 40 extra hours in my week.
0: He comes home and now he goes into his office and he's looking and there's no emails to respond to. There's no voicemails piled up because we've streamlined things. And and there's just there's less for a single person to have to take care of because we've offloaded a lot to automation, to software, uh, to computers. And that now. So here's another thing, though, that people go, oh. We had this complaint. We had some customers calling in saying, "Oh, you've you've taken the the human element. You've you've taken the customer service out of your business with your new website." I disagree. Uh, it, it was maybe a, a little bit of a transition period that that got rough for a minute. But but really, what I'm seeing now is because people are not scrambling to try to figure out, "Uh-oh, why is this instructor at the wrong school? Or why did this student not show up? Did they cancel and we forgot to tell somebody?" All of that noise has gone away, and now the people that are operating the business can focus on things like customer service. Somebody has a problem, they can take the time to go and dive into it and provide a better experience. It probably provide a
1: better experience just because there's not miscommunications happening through the
0: computer software. Absolutely, and now people are less frustrated too. The, the people running the business are less frustrated, so when they do have to have those interactions, they're going to be more inclined to be happy and friendly by default, without having to go, "Okay, I got to talk to a customer now. Let me, let me, let me switch my brain from frustrated mode to happy mode." No, it's it's just uh, we, we've taken a lot of the frenetic activity away so that it can be streamlined. And look, maybe, maybe now it's time to grow. Right. I've always said uh, my job as a, uh, a change agent and as a, somebody who's uh, pursuing continuous improvement, I'm not after so much the, I'm after improvement, but the first step is stability. You have to have stability. And that's the number one thing that I see large organizations, they don't make time for that. They go, well, we've been around for 100 years or 50 years or whatever it is, and we know better. We've, We've got processes. We just need to go improve now so that we can do things faster, cheaper, safer. Okay, that's great. But they fail because they're chasing a moving target, because they don't have stability. And that's what we've been able to build into, again, what's... Kind of a boring business, but now it's kind of exciting because it's stable and people can see the forest from the trees. They can see the light at the end of the tunnel, and and wow, look at what we could go improve now that we can see what's really going on. That is fantastic. Well, I, I think it's fun. I'm, I must I must say I'm constantly amazed at how,
1: you know, we're we're nerds, so we're in the thick of things as far as like. We may not know everything, but we know there's automation that could be done. Like, you know. Yes. So in your specific case, I, I doubt you ever thought about, you know, automating a driving school, you know. That's, but, that's but we accurate. know, well, I see this process and I see that it could be this way because I've done similar things. Uh, and then you go and talk to somebody, you know, who's been doing something like that their whole life. And they're like, you can do that. And you just see their eyes like open wide and they're like, oh my gosh, I had no idea you could even think about doing that. You know, oh yeah, that's been around for 20 years.
0: (laughs) Well, and you know what you said earlier about um, you're not good with the theory, you need to be able to see it. I I encounter that with this kind of stuff as well, where I'm just, you know, sitting off to the side, listening how things are going, thinking to myself, well, wait a minute, like... how come you don't have a voip telephone system and if i sit there and go hey you know you guys really should look into this voip tele- telephone system they're going uh, yeah okay what, whatever yeah. or or hey you know if you if you had a if you had a website where people could go and and do their own scheduling this this could really help you go oh it's not that big of a deal you know you just click a few buttons on the google calendar and but people people don't look i look at the world and i see factories i see little factories everywhere and i look at things through the this systems engineering view and what that means is that everything is connected to something else so you're going to go and spend five clicks and five minutes updating a calendar notice and you think well that's that's no big deal but what you're not seeing is that okay but but that change now maybe isn't seen by the other people that need that information or the the flow of getting that information relied on one person. And when that one person isn't available, that's a problem. Right. And so as soon as you go and you, you, you deploy that solution and, and then people see how it works, then, then they start thinking, well, wait a minute, could we do this and this and this, you know, Yes, yes, you yes, get you the can. ball. That's roll. exactly why I wanted you to see this, yeah. right? That's exactly why we wanted to and do this. Time, now
1: you see the art of the possible. A lot of times, you really got to lead them and like almost implement it for them before they even come close to seeing it.
0: And and that's what I, I will say this for my time in corporate America. I mean, that's what it taught me. I I spent uh, the majority of my career doing continuous improvement workshops and and executing continuous improvement. Um, events and and initiatives and what my job was basically to bring the people together and convince them that what they wanted to do is what i secretly wanted them to do i could see a solution on the horizon but if i just go in and say this is how we're going to do it now right it's not gonna it's not gonna take root it's not gonna take hold and of course everybody's business
1: is, is special it's different right
0: Oh, yeah. Every, oh, yeah. You don't understand. Uh, we're different. Uh, it's not like that here. I've, I've actually gone and, and done stuff where I go, look, just let's get it all out right now. I, I know. I don't know. You just send it. Right. <laughs> let's get it out of our systems so that now we can go and take a look at what is the process because I need to make sure that they see the problem and that they want to go pursue a solution so that now we can work together to go find the solution. Otherwise, it's just me, and I've got a solution. I'm running around. I'm the solution. I'm looking for a problem. Right. Yeah. That doesn't work. Nobody wants a to buy it. Chicken with no head. So yes. Anyway, uh, it's fine. So, are there
1: plans to expand this business?
0: Uh. Well, look. It's not. Um, it's not my name on the LLC, so I can't really right. speak for that. Um. I. I can say though that what we've done with the the school. What we've done with the operation, um, there's a path to either have extra time to go pursue other endeavors, whether that's, uh, you know, snow skiing in the winter or spending time with family or whatever, or, or uh, invest some of that extra bandwidth now into expanding the business. That's certainly yeah. a possibility. And that's the beauty of doing improvements like this.
1: Well, let me ask a different question that's related. Okay. What is the bottleneck? In that organization now,
0: um, the, it's capacity, instructors and vehicles. Instructors and vehicles. So there is yes, there is more demand than there is capacity to satisfy the demand. Right. So you said they were at so what seven? Turns cars? out people have a lot of kids. Right. So there was like seven seven cars, right?
1: Uh, seven. I think there might be eight, eight now. Eight now, so what's what's the stopping them from going to a thousand? is it the system
0: is it something else um i would say that it's uh, it's the desire to just go start adding additional instructors and and you know so there's a there's a quality element there too right because you, you know, got to vet on you know, got to get a car you know, right you're not just going to get any any instructor um, the school is called 50 driving because it was started by a retired law enforcement officer so it's an homage to Hawaii Five-0, mm-hmm. uh, which, was, which was a television show, kids, back in the day. It's a television uh, show now, I think. About, about a police force in Hawaii. Um, and yes, they did. There's a reboot. You're right. Um, so, you know, there's, a, there's an element to it where um, I think at the moment, most if not all of the instructors are some, have some kind of first responder experience. Um, so look, there's an opportunity to expand on that. You know, maybe, the instructors become just trained by first responders, um, or maybe you stick with that niche and, uh, Hey, we're only going to hire people that used to be cops and firefighters and paramedics, in which case to answer your question, that becomes a limiting factor. There's only so many of those people in a given geography that are available, that are willing to go and teach kids how to drive. Right.
1: I know just in general, all firemen have some sort of other side hustle just because of the nature <laughs> of you know they're working what three twenty fours or yeah, three twenty four hour shifts
0: every other week, many times, yeah.
1: and mm-hmm. you know it gives them a lot of free
0: time, essentially, so they
1: can go have a
0: second career. so well, I think you see that you see that with with um, uh, really any kind of public service, uh, but but especially, Uh, police, fire, military, um, you know, they're, they're demanding, uh, careers. And so they, the the reward, the pay is generally not great, but the reward for those demands is, Hey, you can work for 20 years and then retire and you're young enough to go start another career. Right. And so, yeah, they start doing side hustles because the schedule, uh, permits that. And, and I'll tell you, that's, that's shifted my perspective too. You know, I, I to, um, I listened to Mike Rowe's podcast a lot. Mike Rowe talks a lot about being a, uh, uh, a, an independent contractor essentially. You know, he's, he's, he's going from one gig to the next. That's how he's built his career. And when I left the nine to five, it was kind of with that in the back of my mind that, Hey, you know what? I, you and I. You and I are on this the edge of this generational divide where our parents grew up in a time where you still go to work. You get the education, you go to work for the large company, you work for the company for 30 years, they take care of you, and then you retire and you get the gold watch and you've got a pension. We We were kind of we entered the workforce as this transition was happening to where that's not the way it is anymore. Right. Technology has changed the game so that you don't have to work is not the place you go more and more. It's about the the thing that you provide and you can provide that thing from almost anywhere on the planet in many cases. And so, you know, wait a minute, here I am uh, embarking on this career where Do I really want to go and stay at one company for 20, 30 years? Or maybe I want to go be that uh, that that gig worker. Let me let me take the knowledge and the experience that I've developed, just like you did with the mentored engineer. And uh, let me let me go just apply it here and apply it here and apply it here. And now you're you're kind of doing a bunch of different things which can be more profitable and lucrative. Uh, but also for people like us, I think it's a little bit more, I think we enjoy the challenge. Absolutely.
1: That, that's for me, because there's no financial reason why I'd be doing the mentored engineer, as I put in way more than I've ever gotten out of it. Uh, but it's right. it's fun, and it's a, it's a challenge. Uh, I've learned a lot about, you know, uh, web-based stuff. I've learned a lot about recording videos and how to make a video that people like, which I don't know why they still don't like them. I'm trying really hard. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah. It, it is the challenge, it, it, and I think it's. Uh, as soon, the first time we talked after you were about to um, be forced out, uh, you know, I got that vibe from you that Sean wants to challenge anyway because I know you had just left uh, the uh, airplane manufacturer of which we do not speak.
0: Accurate, yeah, yeah. I, that's that's semi-accurate. I've I've spoken of them, uh, <laughs> but but actually, it's it's. It's uh, ironically interesting to me because when I was in college, um, as you know, I did not have a college fund and tons of money. So when I went to school, I had student loans and I was working damn near full time, if not full time for a good portion of it. And some of those jobs that I was working, I was doing uh, solopreneur type stuff. I was doing computer services for people. I was helping the moving company, run their business, and optimize their business processes. I was doing industrial engineering before I even knew what industrial engineering was. And I was doing it just as Sean Genevieve's trying to to make things better, uh, do business better. And then because of the lie, you know, I thought that my path had to be, okay, go to work for the big company and do a good job and be rewarded. And when that didn't happen... I got frustrated. I did a good job, but I was very rarely rewarded for reasons that are the topic of another episode. Um, And and so that frustrated me. And so I was always, I always had that that pull. I always felt that calling back to, man, it was really fun when I was in school and I'd have a break and I would just go and I'd work for a day here and make some money and I'd work for a day here. And I knew that the contributions I made, maybe I was putting more in than I was getting out. But what I was getting out, I knew, was a result of me, and I could see that very tangibly. And now here I am, 20 years later, coming back to that, remembering how much fun that was. Oh yeah. <laughs> like the driving school and and some of the other endeavors I've got going on, and it's great. And um, I don't I don't know how to impart that along uh, yeah. or impart that that message to people. That's kind of what I was talking about earlier when I said,
1: you know, it gives you the opportunity to to see things, you know, almost with new eyes again. Like you said, while you were working corporate America, you never thought about, you know, helping your brother-in-law with the, right. the, the business. So now all of a sudden, oh, I have time. I can actually, holy cow, I can actually stop and smell the roses. And, and now, yeah. now you go, oh, there's an opportunity there.
0: Exactly. I was just gonna use that word. I can sit back and go, Ooh, wow. Opportunity, opportunity, opportunity. So I actually
1: have a a goal that's written down. It's not really a goal goal, but it's I don't work for money. And people what do you what do you mean you don't work for money? Well, I don't I don't sit out at the beginning of my day to say, okay, I gotta make two hundred dollars today to make ends meet. I say, I'm gonna go work. I'm gonna do stuff that I love doing, some of it I'm not gonna love doing. Uh I'll make some calls and see who who I can help. And then, Mm. you know, everything else kind of takes care of itself. Uh, I may not see that money today. I may not see that money this month. Uh, But it does come. And it's been five years since I started my own company. And, you know, there hasn't been a time where I've been like, oh, my gosh, I really have to go back to work. I've been able to, you know, uh, and I've had periods where I had uh, close to six months of no real income. So there's, you know. However, so... however it works, you know, God is uh, great in how He provides. But
0: you know, no... that that is, um, I I like that. See see who I can help. And I, I said it, I wasn't going to go down this path, but I'll just briefly mention. I upon reflection. But that was part of my, that was part of the friction that I had when I was working in large companies because I, that's how I approached things. I went to work every day and I wanted to see who I could help, I wanted to see what I could do better. And that was often not compatible with the goals of many others who were there to see how far they could get in the organization that day. How many rungs could they climb over? How much more money could they make? Right. Don't get me wrong; I like money, and, and I, you know, I, I wanted to make more money too. I do too, by the way. The but, but the politics that is inherent in the the um, I guess the journey within an organization to to get to the next level becomes uh, it's friction. It's Absolutely. friction. And it, and it slows down people like me. And the other thing that happens with friction, not to get too physics based here, but it generates heat. And that heat for me uh, manifested itself in, in the form of frustration. Well said.
1: Sounds like this is a great place to end, Sean. Well, thank you for having, uh, thank you for coming on my podcast. I appreciate, uh, your time here.
0: It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Yeah, and thanks. For, I mean,
1: you set up everything. You got it published to the web. I really appreciate not having to do any of that. So thank you, Sean, for joining me on the distracting drive, yeah, Distracted Driving Podcast.
0: Enterprises. And thank you, everyone, for watching and listening. And uh, we'll see you next time.